You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we promised you at the beginning of the program tonight, we would be talking with two guests who are fighting for our people, both in the court of public opinion and in the court of law, respectively. And uh, we've lived up to that billing tonight. You just heard wonderful rambunctious hour with Lauren Witzke, and uh, now we move to a longtime friend of mine, Glenn Allen. He is the co-founder and chief legal officer of the Free Expression Foundation, and uh, we're going to encourage you to take a look at freeexpressionfoundation.org, but first we're going to say hello uh, to its aforementioned co-founder and chief legal officer, Glenn Allen. Glenn, how are you tonight? I'm well, James, and all my best to you and Keith, and thanks for having me on your show. Well, it's wonderful to have you back. Uh, you've certainly been on before, and of course, you and I have, uh, go back many, many, many years. But for the benefit of those who are tuning in, always a growing audience here, and thank God for that. But uh, for the benefit of those who have not heard you before on the program, you are a former, among other things, a former a city uh, attorney for the city of Baltimore who has paid a heavy price for having the courage to think freely. You are a tireless champion of free speech. You're standing up for others now who have been subjected to similar injustices by the uh, establishment. Uh, you have established the Free Expression Foundation. Your mission, of course, is to advocate for free expression with a particular but not exclusive focus on combating and ameliorating the anti-free expression effects of digital deplatforming, hate labels, lawfare, doxing, cyber vigilantism, and terrorist and quasi-terrorist intimidation tactics. That's a mouthful, but I think people get the gist of where we're going with that, Glenn. Yeah, good. No, I appreciate that. Uh, let me give you a little history of Free Expression Foundation, if I, if I may. I, I was in big firm litigation for 27 years, and then I retired. Went to work for the city of Baltimore, and I was doing good work for a city that's primarily African-American. Um, and I got, I was there about six months when Ms. Byrick and the odious SPLC did a hit piece on me and I got fired within about 24 hours. And, uh, it wasn't a pleasant experience. I, I felt isolated. I felt defenseless. I felt like I'd, I turned into an untouchable, even though I'm a, I'm a, uh, honest citizen of this country. That, you may take that, some type of uh, uh, solace in the fact that Heidi has now been fired, too, I understand. Well, I mean, she's doing her own thing, but you'll continue on, Glenn. Yeah, well, she got fired during my litigation, and I, you know, Keith, I, I don't know whether it had anything to do with that, but it may well have, although she has enough sins on her on her shoulders that uh, she didn't need <laughs> my allegations. But, um, but, yeah, not, not only she, but... Um, Mr. Cohen and Mr. Ms. Brownstein and, and then Morris Deese himself all got fired while the litigation was pending. So they sort of cleaned house, but they've never explained You, you why. brought down the house of cards. You're like Samson, uh, Glenn. Yeah, they, they got you, but you got them too, or at least they all went down together. <laughs> I guess so. I, you know, I, I would think that a 501c3 would explain to the public why they had to fire nearly everyone at the top. But as far as I know, they've never done that, which doesn't surprise me. Um so anyway, I, I had that experience. I, I also have a lifelong interest in the First Amendment. I study it a lot. 
including its history. I've just been reading a book about the uh, Virginia uh, Constitutional Convention Ratification Convention in 1791 that set Patrick Henry against James Madison about the Bill of Rights, and that was the origin of it, you know. And uh, Madison prevailed in that uh, discussion, and, and uh, that's why we have the Bill of Rights and why we have the First Amendment. But anyway, I've always had a strong interest in the First Amendment, so that was another factor. There was another factor, too. I I took note that at Charlottesville there was a young man, I think his name was Andrew Dodson, I believe, who I understood took his life after he got doxxed and uh boy when i when i heard about that i thought that that can't happen on my watch i gotta prevent that i i know what it felt like to be isolated and defenseless and and i'm an attorney i can imagine how someone who's not an attorney would would react so i just uh, sort of dedicated myself to reaching out to people who've, who've been doxxed and feel no one is looking out for them and advocating for them and and kind of reaching out to those people so th those were the three things that led me to create the Free Expression Foundation. Um, and I um, I could tell you a little bit about my litigation against Heidi, and then I could tell you about some of the cases we've been working on, if, if those are of interest. Yeah, let, let's do that, Glenn. Let's do that, because I want to reiterate that, of course, you were a, you, as far as lawyers go, and Keith, you're an attorney as well by trade, but you had, had a very successful career as an attorney. Now, we focus on your time as an attorney for the city of Baltimore, which was a relatively short-lived thing in, in, in uh, when compared to your entire career as a uh, not a ward of the court, key officer of the court, right? Officer of the court. And by the yeah. way, we're not a trade; we're a profession. Okay. So. All right. 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 <laughs> noted and touche. But in, in any event, Glenn had been around for a long time. It wasn't just the six months at, at the city of Baltimore that was the end all and be all of his career, but it was that. You know, the, the SPLC said, "Oh, this guy. We know this guy. He he has some thoughts that we don't like, and he's you know knows some people that we don't like, and so therefore he must be fired because he couldn't possibly he couldn't possibly do a good job. He couldn't possibly be objective if he disagrees with us." And that was pretty much the whole argument, right, Glenn? And continue on there. Well, yeah, you're right about that, and it is so contradictory. I mean, I was, I will immodestly say, I'm a competent, experienced attorney, and I was doing good work for the city of Baltimore, trying to fend off some $20 million complaints for police brutality. And the city of Baltimore, as you may know, is predominantly black. So I was helping a predominantly black city. And Heidi comes says, how inappropriate is it that this guy should be litigating for the city of Baltimore? They, they get me fired. And they later lost a case, I think, was it $20 million they got hit. I'm not saying I could have changed that, but it is so crazy for Heidi, who knew nothing about what I was doing to say it was inappropriate for me to be working for the city. But well, this is the thing. I mean, their argument was you couldn't possibly do your job on behalf of minorities because you don't hate yourself and hate your ancestors. I mean, if you yeah. pare it down, I don't want to oversimplify it. That was the, that was the case, right? Oh, it's so true. I, I mean, they judged me by the color of my skin and what they thought was going on in my head, but I, I would never have done anything other than my absolute best for the city of Baltimore. And or, I know that about any, you. Any, any client, um, whatever race or religion. I mean, I, I take my obligations as an attorney seriously, and I, I try to protect First Amendment rights for everyone. I, I happen to think that the dissident right is, has, is very much underserved and, and, and needs needs representation but um, it might, might be an interesting change of pace to actually have the law enforced uh, rather than flaunted in baltimore yeah. <laughs> that, that's true too <laughs> baltimore has its share of problems so i'll tell you that um 
Yeah, part, <laughs> partly because it's, the rule of law is, is a little weak here, as it is in other segments of our society, as you may know. Um, well, we're calling you from Memphis, Tennessee, which now has the unique distinction of being the largest majority-minority city in America. That so. can't be true. Surely yeah. not. Oh, yeah, we, really? we've surpassed Detroit. Well, we got some commonality with Baltimore, I think, suffice it to say, <laughs> but nevertheless, yeah. uh, we yeah, do the best we can. <laughs> but anyway, so you had this, you had this, so the SPLC, they get you fired, uh, but then you fight back, unlike a lot of people who apologize. Oh, already? Already the music? All right, hold on. Yeah, We're going to go sure. back to this, uh, this uh, chapter in Glenn Allen's uh, life and career. Uh, and then we're going to move forward with what he's doing now with the Free Expression Foundation. There's just so much more. I mean, he's in the middle of a lot of hot battles right now. And we're thankful to have him back on the show tonight as our guest. Glenn Allen, freeexpressionfoundation.org. Stay tuned. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, americafirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, americafirst.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. privilege to be uh, with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, under any circumstances, but especially tonight with a guest like Glenn Allen. Now, Glenn is a tried and true friend, and I'm proud to be able to call him that. Glenn, I don't know how long we've known each other, but it's uh, certainly in the double digit in terms of years now, and uh, you set an example for the rest of us to follow. I mean, uh, certainly I knew you long before this episode with the city of Baltimore and the SPLC occurred, and I knew your honor, and I knew your integrity. Uh, but for you to have taken that uh, and not given them that, I mean, that, that, that's, that's what you've got. You can offer that to them in those moments. You can offer them your self-esteem and your integrity and your honor. But the men who don't, 
boy, what an example they set. And you're one of them. And uh, so we resume the story now. You, it's a very successful legal career. You get hired on to be an attorney for the city of Baltimore. The SBLC says, no, hang on a minute now. This guy uh, probably took a cut and pay to take that job. Uh, oh, yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> you, you, you know that. <laughs> I, I was probably getting about 30% of what I was with a big law firm. But, yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it was interesting work. I mean, the city had its share of interesting problems, and it was fun to mentor the young young folks there. But, um once, once I got, you know, doxxed and then fired, I got to investigating how, how that could have happened. And to make a long story short, I concluded that Ms. Byrick had, I had a basis for concluding that Ms. Byrick had improperly influenced a bookkeeper at the National Alliance's property in West Virginia to disclose to her confidential information, which was a violation of that bookkeeper's fiduciary duty and also a violation of a, a, a non non-disclosure agreement so i had that and that that happens to be illegal under alabama law it's not only you know a breach of contract but it's illegal which is where the so sblc I, is located i mean you mentioned alabama yeah. because that's where the sblc is headquartered yeah. which is where heidi byrick was working at that time sure in the so-called so I, poverty palace yeah <laughs> I it, it is that isn't it it's awful looking but it's huge um Post-Soviet so brutalism. I, exactly. Yeah, boy, it is, isn't it? It's a piece of Soviet architecture dropped in the middle of Montgomery, I guess. Um, so, I was just there yeah. with Jared Taylor a few days ago, and it's as bad as it looks on the pictures, believe me. Anyway, continue uh, on, Glenn. Yeah. So I, I concluded there were a lot of things wrong with what they did, and some of them had to do with what they did to me, but others had to do with their status as a nonprofit and also as a purported law firm. I mean, they, they claim to be a law firm, even though Heidi is not a lawyer. She acts like she was acting like a lawyer. I mean, she was giving, she often gave legal advice to her. her She's a bossy Jewish woman. That's even worse. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I, I, I basically made two arguments. One, and as Keith, I, I think Keith, you're an attorney, so you know there's a, there's a legal prohibition against uh, engaging in unlawful behavior. Practice of law. Yeah, yeah, all, all that. So I, I, I made the argument that that the SPLC's 501c3 should be taken away from them, and uh, and then also that they had harmed me, and so I, I, I made, you know, claims under that. But the judge was not interested in either one. She said I, I lack standing um, to challenge the SPLC, which I don't think is quite right, and that my claims that they were engaged in unlawful behavior were so implausible that I, I I almost have to laugh. Implausible that that I wouldn't wasn't entitled to take discovery to you know to validate them. Um, that that well, is so begs crazy. the question of what standing they had to uh, interfere with your affairs in life. You know, they... <laughs> yeah, this this I, I I don't mean to get too legally technical, but standing is this kind of vague. I mean, it's sometimes used and it's sometimes not to you know prevent people from challenging certain things. I, I think in some of this Trump litigation that. The courts use standing to prevent him from going forward with some of those things. No but, kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. I mean, I think Trump has lost at every turn. Has there ever been one? I don't want to sidetrack because I want to stay on the topic. So let's stay on topic. But has there been one brief or filing or any case or any at any level has Trump won? I, I don't think so. I think he's been turned down at every turn. I, I, it's hard for me to to think of one where they succeeded. It's hard for me to think of a 
January 6th defendant who's had success yeah. except for Charlottesville. You know, Charlottesville, Charlottesville, January 6th, and now Trump's got the, the January 6th hanging judge as his uh, the one to preside over his case in D.C. I mean, just a type of person yeah. that would never become a lawyer in a, a kinder, better America. In any event, I don't I don't want to chase those rabbits. I mean, if people know that, but back to back, back to your situation, Glenn. I mean, the, 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 to bring it back into sharp focus, I mean, the SPLC got you fired within a few hours after complaining about you, uh, but you didn't take it lying down. You 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 took the fight back to them, uh, and of course, we know how that played out in court. But uh, the fact is that you stood and you fought. Yeah, you know, I was thinking I could walk away from this, but I'm an attorney, and and I have. A lot of people that this happens to often can't find attorneys. It's 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 a mark against our profession, Keith. I have to say, how many attorneys, you know, try to hide under the table when you tell them you want to sue the SPLC? Well, particularly ones that work for big firms that are influential. I, I, for example, would love to find an attorney that would take on an affirmative action case for somebody that Mm -hmm. uh, suffered from affirmative action back. In the early 70s, for example. Well, speaking of the 70s, Keith and Glenn, this is like our mutual friend Sam Dixon. I mean, Sam is still referred to by the SPLC as former Klan lawyer Sam Dixon because at one point in his 50 or 60 year legal career, it was in the 70s. Yeah, uh, 70s, I believe, uh, that you know he had a client that was a member of that organization. I mean, so it's just, I mean, yes, I mean, (laughs) to agree. Defining moment of his life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean. if you go on the internet, you still find Glenn Allen, neo-Nazi lawyer. <laughs> I, have to laugh. I don't see myself as that, but you know, it's, it's forever uh, on this dang uh, society, internet society we live in and all my good deeds. And I mean, I've helped many African-American people and, and some of them have been very grateful, but none of that comes up in the internet. <laughs> neo-Nazi you're you're Dare Fuhrer. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess so. I'm their fundraiser, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, I know Glenn Allen, all right, and I've known him for a long time, and I know his integrity, and I know his honor, and I know if I was a black man, I would want Glenn Allen going to to, to bat for me because he's going to do what's best for what's yeah. true for his client. He's and what's right. And, well, I mean, all of that. Yeah. What's true? What's just? What's for his client? But in any event, obviously, we know. Uh, what's going on with the American uh, so-called justice system right now. My case, your case, Glenn, uh, yeah. didn't work out in our favor. Uh, but you, but beyond that, even after being fired and then deciding not to just walk away from it, but to take on this behemoth and then to suffer that injustice in that situation, you still came back for a third time and said, you know what, I'm not going to quit here, even though I was fired. Even though I lost this case against the SPLC, even though it was dismissed, wasn't even heard, uh, I'm going to found the Free Expression Foundation so I can help other people in my situation. Now that, that, my friends, that's a man who is a leader. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I had, I've had some interesting cases. I, I'm kind of a solo organization. I, I now have a young intern working for me so i'm growing and i'm getting more interesting cases but one of the first cases i had was for the uh, rise above movement folks and uh you know they got prosecuted under something called the anti-riot act for actually getting in some scuffles at charlottesville i mean nothing more than that and 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 you guys know as well as i 
that was a one-way street. They, they didn't prosecute. Yeah, hard, hard not to get in a scuffle in Charlottesville when everybody around you, the Antifa, the, the, all of those and, people. And the police department, particularly, and the mayor and uh, all the governmental officials were basically funneling you into a kill box. You'd have to get into yeah. a scuffle to survive just to fight your way out of there. But anyway, you, you got involved in what? Well, uh, uh, there was a couple guys who uh, had – uh, they, I mean, they were, I was put in touch with a young man named Mike Macellus. I didn't know him at the time, but he talked very well on the phone, and I later got to know him. But he, he was arrested. He was a member of something called the Rise Above Movement. Um, and as far as I could tell, it was really for young men who liked to exercise and go out and shoot guns once in a while and basically be young men, you know. And, uh, and um, they did have a pension for showing up at some of these rallies, you know, and, and if a fight came their way, they didn't back away from it. But I really don't think they went, they were offensive. They just, they just didn't back away. But they didn't anyway, start Mike, fights, but they'd finish them. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't, right. they wouldn't allow themselves to get beaten down by the, by the anti you know, all right, I got you. Yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, what, what does our system expect? A bunch of spineless young men that, that would back down from Antifa? I, I mean, of course they do. What, that's what they want. And if you're not that, you're going to jail. You're either going to be yeah. dead or you're going to jail. <laughs> well, that's what happened to Mike. He got prosecuted under something called the Rise Above Movement. I mean, the uh, Anti-Riot Act. And I took a look at that act, and I, I don't know how old you are, Keith. I, I don't think James remembers the Chicago 7 trial in 1968. Oh, I, I remember very well at the uh, 68 Democratic Convention. Right, hold, on. Yeah. Uh, hold on right there. We'll go down memory lane, but a lot more with Glenn Allen of the Free Expression Foundation, freeexpressionfoundation.org. Stay tuned. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. New Jersey Democratic Rep Andy Kim announced on Saturday that he'll run next year against Senator Bob Menendez in the wake of the senator's indictment and refusal to step down. Kim has been representing New Jersey's 3rd Congressional District, which includes suburbs east of Trenton, since 2019. He won re-election last November by more than 10 percentage points. Tropical storm Ophelia packing top sustained winds of 45 miles an hour is barreling across eastern North Carolina, bringing with it high gusts, coastal flooding, and life-threatening rip currents northward into New Jersey over the weekend. Ophelia made landfall this morning near Emerald Island, North Carolina, with maximum winds of 70 miles per hour. Forecasters are predicting 3 to 5 inches of rainfall across parts of northeastern North Carolina and southeast Virginia Saturday night into Sunday morning. Scientists are set to learn more about our solar system starting tomorrow. Temples from the asteroid Bennu captured three years ago are headed back to Earth on the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft. NASA's Melissa Morris says the mission has already achieved so much. It's the first U.S. mission from it to return samples from an asteroid. And that sample mass collected is the largest from beyond the orbit of the moon. The rocks and dust will land in a return capsule in the Utah desert on Sunday morning, completing the seven-year mission. NASA says it will offer generations of scientists a window into the time when the sun and planets were forming around 4.5 billion years ago. I'm Jeremy Scott.
Around 64,000 portable generators made by Generac have been recalled due to serious fire and burn hazards, according to the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. The CPSC says the generator's fuel tanks may fail to properly vent from the rollover valve, risking a buildup of pressure inside the tanks. The pressurized tanks may then expel fuel when opened, posing those fire and burn hazards. This is USA News. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Kind of like choosing Derek Jeter as the pinch hitter for your baseball team. Jeter, you're in. We need a home run. I'll give it a try. I've swung a bat once or twice. That's out of here. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Continental. From the world of John Wick comes a Peacock original three-part event that takes us back to 1970s New York. The Continental. This institution wields power beyond your imagination. Let's take this house and everything that comes with it. The Continental. From the world of John Wick. Streaming now. And away we go. Only on Peacock. Back with the guy who did something about it, ladies and gentlemen, Glenn Allen, uh, my friend and yours. Uh, if you are someone uh, who is an advocate for the truth, uh, lots of people say, a friend texting us uh, right now, listening to the show live, lots of people say, hey, I should do something about this or that. <coughs> but they don't do anything. This is a guy who actually did it. Yeah, that's the guy we're talking to right now. Thank you. For that comment, uh, this is Glenn Allen, uh, freeexpressionfoundation.org. Glenn, I mean, we've talked a little bit, as I said, I, I don't want to reiterate it to the point of exhaustion, but uh, exhaustion. But you've had a very successful legal career uh, <laughs> moving forward to a couple of years ago when you got hired on by the city of Baltimore. And then that's where the, the story began tonight. Dismissed out of court. You took the fight back to them after having been fired unjustly, I might add. Uh, but you took the fight back to them, dismissed out of court, out of hand. Uh, but then you founded your own foundation. And that is where the story resumes. FreeExpressionFoundation.org. Your mission, and I'm reading from the mission there at the website right now, to reach out to the victims of the thought police, to listen to them and their stories with care and respect. Do you believe in free expression? If you're a victim of the thought police, please contact us. If you support free expression, and the mission of the Free Expression Foundation, please show your support by making a tax-deductible gift. So there you can do all of that at freeexpressionfoundation.org. Uh, but, Glenn, uh, let's talk a little bit more about your work here in the last few months. Some very interesting cases. I don't know which ones you can comment on publicly and which ones you might not want to comment on, uh, but uh, I'll turn that over to you. Yeah. Well, um I just just to wrap up the uh, Rise Above Movement, guys, I, I, I looked at this anti-riot act, which hadn't been used much since the Chicago 7 trials, which is, as Keith may remember, I mean, it was Jerry Rubin, Abby Hoffman, and a bunch of... The really, Chicago uh, wild, 7. The Chicago 7, yeah, and they, they eventually got acquitted. But um, anyway, they, the government dusted this off, and it seemed un blatantly unconstitutional to me, so I, I sort of orchestrated the... I wasn't a defense counsel, but as an amicus, I 
I, we created some ideas why this was unconstitutional and the defense counsel uh, also thought it was unconstitutional and we challenged in both in California, there were two different prosecutions. We lost in, in Charlottesville where Mike was, but we actually won in uh, California and it was thrown out and the four Rise Above Movement guys there were, were released. One of them unfortunately later died, but I'm, I'm glad he was able to die in freedom and not in a prison. Um, but you know, our government never relents, so they appealed and got that turned around and they're now prosecuting it again. <clears throat> and I hope you get involved in that. Um, of course, but, the uh, Chicago it, 7 got all because they were leftists. You know, it's not a matter of what you do, but who you are. Well, there's so much truth to that, Keith, I'm afraid. I mean, the, the, supposedly our judiciary doesn't take those into account, but it sure doesn't seem to be true. Uh, it, well, yeah, like this is it. I mean, Glenn, would you agree or disagree as uh, a lifelong attorney and as a professional in this capacity that uh, rule of law, what law is, precedent matters little compared to what side you're on now? Unfortunately, it's so true, James. And um, if it weren't for a, a few judges who really do seem to take the responsibility of wearing their robes, the honor of it and the responsibility of it, I, it would be a pretty dismal prospect. But I, I think there are some out there. And I, I, even our Supreme Court, I have to say, they've done pretty well by the First Amendment in the last 10 years. I mean, they just denounce principles, of course, and they have to be applied by the lower courts. And they're often applied in, in ways that astonish me for how, how illogical and unfair they are. But uh, yeah, I, I, there are a few judges out there who, who do uphold the rule of law. Yeah, I, I, you expressed it pretty well, James. It's, it's uh, very political, and it's um, not, not what I would like to see in an, an honest judiciary system. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you a question right now, and feel free yeah. to pass it or to punt on it. Uh, you don't have to talk about it. it uh, it certainly won't offend me in the least, but uh, you, you've got a very provocative case right now uh, involving a mutual, well, a friend of mine anyway, uh, Warren Baylog and former Governor of Virginia Terry McAuliffe. Can you can you tell us anything about that? Sure, sure. No, I'm glad to. It actually arises just from what we were talking about, the Charlottesville events. Um, Warren was there when when uh, the the uh, this. Bag, a bunch of uh, defendants, including the city of Charlottesville and the chief of police and and uh, the Virginia State Police and others, um, they managed to push the pro-monument demonstrators right into the hands of Antifa. That's and, the kill uh, box I was talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, and and so Warren, who was injured in that, I mean, he was pepper sprayed and he was assaulted by these creepy Antifa types. Um, he, he brought suit um, claiming that his, his rights had been violated and he, he was deserved compensation. Mostly he wanted to his, uphold his First Amendment right to listen to speakers in, I guess it's Emancipation Park or Lee Park. Um, there was another suit going up, Jason Kessler, very similar to that. Uh, I, I shouldn't say very similar because I think there are important differences, but that case was dismissed by by the judge in Charlottesville and it went up to the fourth circuit and they affirmed by something called an unpublished decision which is i will say hope it doesn't get me in trouble but i i think it's not the way courts are supposed to work they're not supposed to 
issue unpublished opinions, they should. I think they should at least honestly. Isn't it funny the, the way that they the always debate. do those un, un, uh, unpublished opinions against our interests? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they shut it off, so nobody really sees it. And uh, they did that to Jason Kessler, so that that was because it will not bear examination under the light of day. No, no, I, I don't think uh, anyone could justify what was done to Jason, but it, it is a Fourth Circuit precedent. And, and Keith, as you know. We have to deal with precedents. Um, so we, we do have that problem with respect to, to Warren. Well, but the left doesn't have to deal with precedents. It's like the Brown versus Board of Education decision. You know, basically it was a denial of due process because due process says that you'll decide it according to similar cases in the past, stare decisis, mm-hmm. or statutory construction, or legislative history. They tossed all of that out of the window in the Brown versus Board of Education decision and based it upon some crackpot sociological paper produced by a black sociologist on regarding doll studies and see uh nobody called him out about that it's, it's amazing to me yeah yeah it really isn't consistent with the idea that we're entitled to have courts confront our arguments and do it openly and publicly and, and do it according to established principles of deciding uh, appellate cases yeah so anyway, that's Jason's decision was decided a while ago, but Warren's wasn't. So Warren has gone up to the force. He was also lost at the trial court. But he's now engaged me and my co-counsel to go up to the Fourth Circuit. We just filed a brief two weeks ago, and here's here's somewhat of an advantage that Warren has. I mean. His case incorporated the Heafy report, and I think you guys are familiar with the Heafy report. It's, absolutely, it's absolutely. Right. And, and that should have been the determining factor for any decision. That was the Bible on what happened at Charlottesville, the Heafy report, but because it didn't meet with the system's narrative, they totally disregarded their own arbiter's opinion on the matter. Yeah, yeah the yeah. city of Charlottesville apparently engaged Heafy to make that report. That was actually the damnedest mm-hmm. thing I, I think I may have ever seen in my life. Next to your case. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but anyway, continue, Glenn. No, it's it's true. I I, I actually commend uh, Mr. Heapy. I, I mean, I I have some quibbles about some things, but I think he was really trying to get to the truth. He he, um, an exhaustive. I mean, it's 220 pages long, and I think I don't know how many footnotes and and evidence there was on three 300 400 emails. I I heard that there are thousands of emails that didn't even make it into the Heapy report. But when when you read the Heafy report with with care, and I, I know you guys know this already, but it's hard to support the conclusion that the trial court did that it was kind of mutual combat, and it's not the city's obligation to step into mutual combat. They have the right to just shut down the demonstration. When, when you look at the fact that apparently there was a a demonstration before by the I think by the Klan and the and the city did the right thing. It separated the people, and there was no violence. And and when you look at some of the emails, like the chief of police saying, "Well, let them fight, and then we'll just call, you know, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll call it, I mean, uh, and, and we'll uh, apply differential justice depending on which side we want." What kind of police force allows wanton violence in their presence while they sit back and watch? I mean, Glenn, that I don't. It was and that's a violation of their. Uh, Oath has to, to protect be. and defend. The, even these beat officers, yeah. I know they were just following orders, as they always like to say, quote, unquote, just following orders. That was something. 
Well, uh, many of them didn't want to do that, as you know, Jim. I mean, many of them did. A lot of them said, I, I, I don't think it's appropriate to just sit and watch this violence. And there was one, I don't remember what his name was, he disobeyed instructions and went over there and broke up a fight and chased off the Antifa. And, and they backed off, which shows you that if, they, there you if go. the city had done its job, there wouldn't have been it, that wouldn't have happened, but it wouldn't have benefited the system for them to have done their job. We'll be right back. One more segment with Glenn Allen. What an hour! Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject, from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime, there is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, and as I like to tell you, believe me, I'm proud of it. I am. I'll admit it. 19 years on the radio. 19 years. And uh, I'm absorbing the slings and arrows of the outrageous left. Well, we got another one coming. <laughs> it's going to be the 80th time the SPLC has attacked me. Uh, we found oh, out on Wednesday. God. Yep, it's coming next week, Glenn. You'll you'll be sure to see it. Uh, don't oh. miss it, ladies and gentlemen. We don't want you to miss it. Uh, they've written 79 articles attacking me in the last 19 years. The 80th is going to come next week. They sent an email in last uh, Wednesday asking for a comment. And uh, in any mm. event, so that's coming. But uh, I, I, I believe me, after 79, I know how it's going to go. James Edwards what, is a what racist. What are they attacking before this time, James? Well, they that. don't like the fact that the owner of the radio network works with another organization. They're trying to triangulate the fact that they, I interview guests. They must be evil because they support James and uh, broadcast him. That's. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a six degrees of separation. You know how it is. Uh, it's a, oh. anyway. It's a, it's a whole sordid affair. But they've already written one article about it back in February. 
and another organization. And all it ever does is basically increase our listenership <laughs> and, and our donations. I mean, you know, look, they, anybody that's funded to the tunes of hundreds of millions can still do you some damage. And I don't, I'm not saying that I, you know, want them to do it. But, I mean, it is what it is after all these well, years. You know what they've said now? They say that basically because of the extreme positions of the left, now calling a person a racist or an anti-Semite increases their status with probably 50% the Trump of the base. Population. Well, this was the Homeland Institute, Greg Johnson poll. Anyway, let's not get into the tall gra- I mean, There's truth to that. I mean, you know, a lot of it has come back. I mean, we've weathered it for so long. And on the other hand, if they call you woke, that hurts you with that. Group. With the Republican base. That's, that's right. But anyway, that, that we digress. But nevertheless, 80th time, they're going to call me racist, anti- white nationalist, anti-Semite. It's coming next week, so just stay tuned. SP, I, I, I want to give the plug. I don't like to normally plug hate sites, but we, we want you to read it. SPL center.org slash blog I think is it I should know it after all these years but anyway Glenn I'm sure you know it too and we've been talking about it I mean this is a group that's done uh, a lot of damage uh, to a lot of good people Uh, but you know again we see their comeuppance uh, I think happening now I mean the way the SPLC is perceived now compared to what it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago it's really a night and day thing you got uh, half the you know nearly half the state AG's uh, condemning them as an utterly unreliable swarf. They've surely, you know, they always like to say, you know, you're six degrees separated from, you know, whoever we don't like uh, at the, the moment. The sun is setting on their uh, authority. Well, they certainly have links and ties to domestic terrorism. I certainly don't, and you certainly don't, Glenn, and our organizations have never been denounced by half the state AGs, and we certainly don't have employees or staff attorneys that have been arrested and charged with domestic yeah. terrorism. But nevertheless, <laughs> <That's right>. nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> but let's get back. I, I, Glenn, yeah. I, I, I well, say this. 19 years, when I say an hour has gone by too fast, we don't have enough time for a guest, that's a good hour of radio, and I can say that about both you and Lauren tonight. I want to ask you about something that you posted to your website in September, and we're going to get, uh, actually, excuse me, this September. It was, it was a few months ago. We're going to post it to our website on September the 26th. We're going to cross-post it. Uh, but very quickly, back to Warren Baylog's case versus uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe et al., Mm-hmm. Terry McAuliffe being the former governor of Virginia. Yeah. Well, I, to be candid with you, um, there, there are difficulties in going after McAuliffe because of state sovereign sovereignty. But in our brief, we try to overcome them. But there, those difficulties are not so great against, as to the city of Charlottesville or its police chief. Um, but uh, we were talking about the Heapy report. But anyway, our, our brief heavily relies on that. And we make the point that it's not a plausible conclusion. The, the truck court said basically a pox on both your houses. You know, you're all out there fighting each other. And what can, how can you blame the police for just trying to break it up? They have no obligation to choose one side over the other. But, that, but they do. That, that is so inconsistent with something called the heckler's veto doctrine. And I'm sure Keith's familiar with it. Amen. And I, I, I think it, it was 100 that was – completely wrong for the judge to say that a city and a city authority does not have an obligation to protect pro, um, someone who gets a permit to have a demonstration. They, they do have that. They do have an affirmative obligation to do that, and they should have done it in Charlottesville. And that's kind of the basis of the legal basis of our, our lawsuit on behalf of Warren. So um, we've, we've done our best. Uh, we've um, dissected the Heafy report, and we've taken them to task for ignoring the the, the heckler's veto doctrine. So we'll see if we can get oral argument and, and maybe get this 
a good result. Well, I mean, Glenn, I, I got to ask the question because it's a question yeah. that I'm sure our audience is asking. I mean, they, they've seen what happened to you. They know what happened to me in my libel case, even though I mean, the entirety of the law and of all precedent. It was just a slam dunk, can't lose case. And we, we managed to lose it because, again, what comes down, uh, what happens now in the court of law is what side you're on. But, uh, but so you also have to realize we've got different people uh, populating the judiciary. That's it. This is, Keith, that's an important point. That's actually what I was about to foreshadow. And what I'm getting to is people would say, well, it's just a lost cause, then you can't win. You can win in some jurisdictions. Is Trump going to win in Fulton County, Georgia, or in this in Washington, D.C.? There's not a chance. But is there a chance? In, and Peter Brimelow brought this up. Jared Taylor won in Tennessee uh, with regards yeah. to continue to be able to having his Amarin conferences at uh, Montgomery Bell State well, Park. What, so. The way I put it is this way. It used to be that being a judge was the way you capped off a career as a successful litigator. Today, mm -hmm. it's a job for a recent law graduate that can't find a job. <laughs> All right, but nevertheless. But, but, but uh, Glenn, I mean, you know, obviously understanding and knowing from your own personal experiences and, and plus that which we've all seen with other dissidents, that it's a tall order in certain jurisdictions. Why found the Free Expression Foundation? Why go to court for these uh, cases that are, you know, are going to be unfavorable in certain jurisdictions? But perhaps not all. Perhaps not all, or maybe you'll get a dissent or something. I, I mean, it's a long haul. You, you've got to persevere. Uh, apropos of that, I, I you got to be prepared a, to take it all the way to the top, is what I told James. That's, that's, that's the way, that's true, and too. unfortunately, most people are not financially yeah, well healed enough to do that. That's right. I, I will say also that we, I am involved in another lawsuit out in state of Washington against an Antifa guy. And he infiltrated the Patriot Front organization using a false identity, and then he violated their instructions by sending out confidential information to his his buddies on the outside and doxed dozens of Patriot Front guys, many of whom lost their jobs. But that's a, a blatant violation of something called the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and, and also Washington state law. So that's an example, I hope, James, of, of you know being in the right jurisdiction with the right law. I hope that, that we are successful there. But to, to your point, I mean, we have to be very careful. We have limited resources of choosing our, our fights, you know. I, I, I was at Laos when you're when you're small, you need to choose your fights and get small victories, at, at least initially. And that's kind of what we're in right now. Um, See, I, w I was a lawyer back, and I've been a lawyer for over 45 years. And when I first started practicing yeah. law, we didn't have these problems, but now you have them in spades, basically. It's, uh, for example, you hear about these runaway juries and personal injury cases. They're always mm -hmm. majority-minority venues where that's a problem. Okay. Well, but the thing is, though, I mean, Glenn, you're right. you got to pick and choose your battles, but the fact of the matter is we have to battle on any front that we can get a venue. I mean, and, and so that's why I, I, I absolutely support even having my own misgivings with the judicial system. It is not a universal thing. You can win in certain jurisdictions. They're not bringing the Trump case in in rural majority white southern districts. Uh, they're they're bringing in the case in, in the well, jurisdiction. Look at the difference between Shelbyville demonstration in Charlottesville. See uh, the difference mm. of night and day. Well, that's right. So in mm. any event, uh, freeexpressionfoundation.org. dot org. The uh, Glenn Allen needs your help, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, he is fighting on behalf of uh, people like Warren Balog, and he is fighting in, in courts. And these are very important battles. And even though, uh, again, 
I, I, I can tell you, I, I, I could say, I could be so jaded as to say nobody has a chance uh, in the courts because of what happened to me. But that's, I don't believe that. I do believe well, that. Well, what the, it the, is really, James, is this. You can't bring, uh, you can't have a process, a protest, a peaceful protest in a place like Charlottesville, which is basically a little ivy-covered North Korea. You've got to have it in a, <laughs> in, in a, uh, a place. Corinth, Mississippi. Yeah, I got you. I know. Yeah. I, I understand. Or Shelbyville, Tennessee. FreeExpressionFoundation.org. Glenn, one last thing, and this actually made some national yeah. news uh, a few weeks ago. Litigation commenced against radical antifa doxer. Uh, this is a headline yeah. on your website, FreeExpressionFoundation.org. Mm-hmm. Litigation commenced against a radical antifa doxer. We got two minutes remaining. It's all yours. Well, yeah, that's what I mentioned. I we're, we're taking the offensive against this guy and and his his buddies, um, and we're we're gonna. I, I think we have a, a pretty strong case, and uh, I, I I haven't we haven't been able to serve him yet. I guess I shouldn't talk. Maybe he's lying low out there. I I don't know, but uh, I uh, I at least the table is turned. I mean, he has to worry about litigation as opposed to our guys getting sued by the likes of Roberta Kaplan and others and Science Kessler. Um, since I just have a minute left, I, I would like to say about my Free Expression Foundation that we're, I think we're moving in the right direction, maybe not as fast as one would, would wish, uh, but I, I, I do think we are. We're accumulating a, a network of attorneys who could act as local counsel and help us and, and, and some financial wherewithal. But I think above all, we're, we're becoming an incubator for young attorneys. And I've been contacted, I, mean, I wish I had the resources to hire them, but there are young attorneys out there that are idealistic and want to fight, and uh, and FEF is shaping up as a good place for them to learn their skills and uh, you know and and become a force for the good in the future. So I appreciate any kind of support that can be sent our way. Well, you definitely deserve support because you're doing the type of work that the legal profession professes to be doing and wants to do. Uh, and we are in trying times right now. We are definitely in a, a, a different world from uh, – James gave me a little hat last week. It said, I wish I uh, could uh, – That was our, our friend uh, Jeff, I believe, in, in yeah. Salt Lake City who sent those hats in. Yeah, he but. said, I w- wish I could return to the uh, America I was born into. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, and we want to thank Jeff for that. We want to thank Jeff for that, who sent those hats, and I've been meaning to send you a thank you card. But uh, Glenn Allen, the FreeExpressionFoundation.org. Listen, folks, as you know, we're smack dab in the middle of TPC's most crucial uh, third quarter fundraising drive. But it didn't stop me from taking advantage of the opportunity to have Glenn on tonight. We want you to support his work as well. In fact, if you got to choose between one or the other. FreeExpressionFoundation.org, folks. And there are good people toiling in the vineyards like Glenn Allen. Absolutely, and we need uh, we need him, and we want to be here. We're all in this together. That's the point. We're all in this together. Glenn, thank you for another fantastic hour of radio. Thank you for your work, for your sacrifice. FreeExpressionFoundation.org. We continue the fight wherever we can on the radio airwaves, the court of public opinion, and in the court of law. Good night. We'll talk to you next week.